Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is that time again for another episode of On The Way Home. I am your host, Michael Braithwaite, and I hail from Blue Door, one of the organizations that's responsible for this podcast, along with the Canadian Lions and Homelessness, our partner. Week to week on this podcast, we try and bring in great guests who are doing innovative uh, things around housing, homelessness, health, uh, employment in the social service area. Uh, we, we talk about the challenges, we talk about the solutions, and I think we all can learn. And that's the idea of this podcast is really to share knowledge, create awareness. And I think we're doing a great job. We, we're so fortunate to have so many talented, talented guests. Today's guest is no exception. Um, now, I met Mike Clare, who's going to be our guest. I met him years and years back now when I came into York region. And uh, well, we're going to talk more about this, but I think quite often we talk about housing solutions or what are we going to do or how do we build, get more affordable housing? You'll hear um, the talk of involving faith communities. And I think some faith communities have done a really good job of this, right? They've mobilized what they have uh, and helped create housing on their land with their buildings, et cetera. Um, and others are still talking and trying to figure out how to do it, how to do it. And it's not so much even, you know, how do you get, um, the, the core values of most faith communities are aligned with what we're trying to do, right? Supporting, helping others, helping our most vulnerable. How do you organize that and get things done? Mike is going to talk about his organization today, MICA, which is uh, an incredible organization uh, in York region based out of Markham and some of the projects they've done that have housed hundreds of people. It's incredible. It's, uh, it's really unique. And I think it's very scalable that others across the country can come together to do this. So I hope you learn a lot from Mike. I always do. He's a great guy. Did I mention this too? So, so Mike Claire is not, this is all volunteer work. He's the chair of MICA and he'll tell you more about what that means, what they do. Um, but Mike is actually a retired history teacher uh, who worked at a York Regis school board uh, and uh, Ontario Tech University. Uh, and he is an author of five eBooks as well. Um, and textbooks, uh, and but Mike's a history teacher. He, you know, he'll talk about how he came into this, but this is not his full time job. Although I'm sure sometimes it seems like a full time job, and even more. But that shows his dedication and passion. Mike Claire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, Mike. We ask everyone before we get into a little more about you, because I want to hear about your journey. We ask uh, all our guests this question because it's a little different for everyone. And that is, what does home mean to you? I think home has a, it's a two part answer. Uh, one is the physical. And I think that's self-explanatory, a, a safe, warm place to be. But uh, the more important aspect of home is it's an emotional sense. Uh, it's that feeling of well-being in, in where you live and your environment. It's a sense of safety and security. And uh, sometimes it, it's kind of sad, too, that when we think of home, home is not a safe place to be. And there are those individuals who can't go home as such because of the, uh, the safety issues. But it's that a, it's a secure home is a place where you can laugh, cry, uh, get engaged. And just feel all the emotions and still feel comfortable in your in your being in place. So uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a physical place where everything you're safe from the elements. You're safe from whatever is outside. My wife always says uh, a safe home is a 
that comfortable home is where nature's on the outside uh, and doesn't come in. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's that safe, warm place, but also it's an emotional place that's uh, loving and secure. Well said, and lots lots of keywords in there when you talk talk about warmth, you talk about safety, you talk about comfort, you talk about ocean, all those different things, right? Yes, there's there's four walls and a roof, hopefully a door, so you're not climbing through a window, and that's the physical structure. That's a house. What makes it home are all those things you just talked about, so thank you. Now, let, let's talk about you, Mike. So a few years back, I think you, maybe it was before, you were teaching history, and you retired. How does someone then all, all of a sudden become uh, president of, of MICA, doing this kind of work. What drew you in? Tell us a little bit about what drew you into MICA um, from, uh, from your day-to-day -day job. Well, when I was uh, thinking of retiring from York Region, I was looking at, well, what am I going to do with the rest of the time? And I had lined up a sessional job at uh, the Ontario Tech University, but there was a gap between when it started and when I retired. So somebody just suggested, well, why don't you look at this group called MICA? And uh, I sort of fell into it and it just sort of grew on me. I thought what they were doing was the right thing to do. And uh, I just got involved. And uh, it's as simple as that. It's nothing magical or anything. It's just I was working with some really good people and I was excited about what they were about to do. And that's that at that point was when we were about to build Tony Wong and we were starting to think about a new build. So uh, just the excitement around that was uh, infectious. So here I am. And here you are. And yes, and you, you filled your time and you found, and I see the passion in what you do. And, and, and for both of us, I think, you know, as you, we got into it, uh, this, the sector, the, the learning curve is steep. Can you talk, talk to me a little bit about MICA? So let's talk, what does MICA mean? That's an acronym for, uh, and, and how long has it been around? What is the core concept of it? What does it do? Sure. MICA is the Markham Interchurch Committee for Affordable Housing. And it's been around since the, uh, the late 80s. And what happened was the local churches in the, in, the, in the old village of Markham began to realize that there was insufficient housing for those in need. Markham at that point sort of prided itself in being one of the uh, wealthiest communities in Canada. And it sort of had this ongoing uh, sort of challenge between Oakville, West Vancouver, and of course, Markham. And Markham always wound up in third place. Occasionally they beat out uh, Oakville, but a rich community, but not, not having the social services that any community needs and sort of denying that there was an issue. So the churches got together and uh, we can build a, uh, a senior's residence. And that, be, that was on some land, and I'm not sure on the history of this, but the, I think the land was donated by the city, but it was the old village dry dump of, uh, of Markham. And they started to build on that, and there became issues with such things as methane and, uh, and other odds and ends. And it looked like the whole project was going to go south. 
So somebody uh, said, you know, if, if it goes south, some of the smaller churches are going to go bankrupt. They can't afford any more liability than what they put in initially to get the, the project up and going. So to prevent the churches from going bankrupt, some brilliant legal mind just said, why don't we set up a organization and the buck will stop with the organization and the liability will stop with the organization and the churches become members. So it's just like if a golf club goes or a curling club goes bankrupt, uh, you just, you know, your membership is, is null and void, but you're not responsible for the debt of the curling club or whatever. So that's the way Michael was set up to prevent uh, the building that we were working on, which was 150 units of affordable housing for seniors uh, from dragging down some of the other churches. So that was the, the organizational framework that's got set up. Then uh, Michael proceeded to do the build and finish off the build. And that pattern of once we built it, it was up and running, we would set up an independent board and that independent board would then run the building and look after everything and Michael would move on to the next build. So that was the, the framework that we worked on. Micah really is uh, volunteers. There's not any paid staff that, that we've got. So that the, it's all volunteers. And I've got a tremendous board that I work with. They're really positive and, and behind that, this idea of Micah. And I think we sort of pick up on the, the philosophy that drives us is in essence, what the acronym MICA from the book of MICA. So just to uh, go into a little bit of theology, but very briefly, a little bit of theology, uh, the idea of when Christ said, went out and cured the lame, healed the sick, that's the equivalent, I think, of our modern hospital and medical system. And when he, Christ drove out the demons, you know, I think that's the more of the mental services provided and the uh, social compassionate help that counseling that people get. So when the people were, the lame were cured and the demons drawn out, Christ gave them one word of advice. And he said, go home. So what happens if you have no home to go to? So that's where Micah as an organization steps in. We want to provide that home for people to go to. So that's our philosophical drive. And that's where we go from, from and, and motivates us to uh, continue to do what is the right thing. And so that, that keeps us vibrant, I think, and going. So that's the philosophical background. When we started to build the, uh, when it was our first build, Cedarcrest you know, had those problems. Uh, you know, we worked through them and we developed a, a certain resilience, you know, just how do you build? And what was interesting was the, the city decided, or at that time, the town of Martin decided that there was a need for a senior center. So they said, we will build the senior center onto your building and make it part of the whole cost of the building. And you, 
we will rent it back from you for a dollar a year. So we have a senior's building and a senior center so we can provide housing and program for seniors. The next build we did was uh, a series of townhouses at Robinson Street. And those townhouses were, were, there were 26 townhouses and that was for families. And again, the ratio is 80% of uh, the people in those townhouses are on rent assist. The same with uh, Cedar Crest Manor, our first build, it's 80% rent assist and 20% market rent. So those were successful, kept, got up and running. And Micah has a problem, you know, you go and build something and you go full bore and you're starting with zero dollars and you got to ramp up to a couple of millions and then you go down to nothing again and start from scratch. So it's a, it's a challenge, but we managed to do that, but there were some gaps between our builds. And so once we finished Robinson Street, there was a gap of about 10 years and that's when I joined Micah uh, in 2005, and they're starting to think about another build, and that became Larry Todd Place, which is 120 units of affordable housing. And again, in looking at all these buildings we've built, Micah builds a physical plant for a lot of social organizations to come in and run their program. So we've worked with, uh, at Cedarcrest, we worked with Participation House, and that's for people with physical and uh, cognitive challenges. So they came in and we built and worked out an arrangement where we would build for them uh, 10 units. And then Participation House would come in and support the people so they could live independently in Cedarcrest, live in a community, and uh, function well with support. At uh, Robinson Street, we worked with uh, families and different family organizations. We started at one point with a, uh, a, a women's shelter. It's no longer there, but uh, again, helping provide physical space for other groups to run their programs. We don't run programs, we provide space. And then when we started to build Tony Wong Place, which is 120 units, well, we got into some uh, partnerships with uh, a lot of different organizations, one of which is uh, 360 Kids, which I think at that time, Michael, you were associated with. And 360 Kids uh, helps kids who are homeless find shelter. And so, we provided space and rented space to 360 kids so they could run their program. But we are building the space for these organizations that I don't think they could necessarily build on the scale that we do. And then our, our last build, which we've just opened, is uh, Larry Todd Place. And we built this on the parking lot of our original build. And Again, this is a combination of seniors housing and two of the, it's a 32 unit build. Two of the units are for 360 kids and the remaining 30 units are for seniors. And we've tried to help make 
to assist seniors living in place. Now it was fun building Larry Todd Place because it was all through COVID. So we were trying to build, but we never could have everybody all together in one place at one time to, to celebrate. So it's been an interesting work journey, but uh, that's what we've built in the past and that's, that's our approach to building. So I, I hope that answers your question. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, so so we're talking probably under, like, you know, just under, what, a thousand units in total over uh, through all your buildings? Through, through all our buildings, we have over uh, 330 units, but we guesstimate over the life of MICA we think we've housed over 6,000 individuals and or families in the Markham area. Oh, that's incredible. And you think about it, it's just such a unique approach. So just to, to kind of um, recap too. So Michael will go in, they manage the build, they bring in, and I know you've worked with SHS consultants, which many of our listeners would know of. They do great work across the mm -hmm. country. Uh, you also have to raise the money to, to pay them and raise the money for the build and they project manage it. But you do all these bills. But as soon as a build is done, a new board, so an independent board takes it on and then you step away from the project. So those are all individually run and kind of owned by that board and that little. So they're kind of their separate pieces. And then you go on to your next project. Now, I know with Larry Todd, were you able to they were able to support you a little bit? Are they because you have that parking lot. So they really use I mean, that was probably tricky because you had to work with a unique board. You can't tell them what to do. You work with that unique board with Mike and say, we want to expand that. Uh, did that, that project become one or they, do they, will they have two separate boards at uh, Larry Todd? There are two separate boards. It, it was interesting. We were approached by York region in um, 2016 and said, we've got, they've got some money. Uh, we need some several ready projects. They put out our uh, request for proposals. And it was interesting, Larry Todd, who actually was the president of the Cedarcrest board at the time, said, well, geez, you know, our parking lot, our parking lot is sitting right next door to a municipal parking lot. And I hope nobody from the city of Martha was listening to this on that or will react to this, but the, um, the residents of Cedarcrest, rather than paying for parking on Cedarcrest's land, they said, we'll park for free on the parking lot next door. Net result was the, uh, the parking lot was underutilized. In fact, it was less than 50% of it was being used. So Larry Todd had the vision, hey, we've got some land. We've got this underused parking lot. Can you build on that? And uh, we said, yeah, and, and because we, he was willing to let that happen, and we set up a land lease agreement. So we pay them a dollar a year, and at the end of uh, approximately 50 years, the building will revert to Cedarcrest. In the interim, uh, then we went ahead and did everything that we have to do as 
a separate entity, MICA, to build on the land. And then we are actually running this particular board just to give us experience in running and making sure everything is, is uh, well run. And it's a learning experience for us as well. So that's the only, Larry Todd is the only building that is not separate from the rest. So it's, it's part of the MICA body itself. It's, it's just, it's amazing. I think it's very scalable. Uh, what is the response from the, the community been? Have you got, now I'd say when you're, you're getting approached by, for people to understand, New York Region is a two-tier municipality. So the region of York is really responsible for housing and shelter and that type of stuff. And then you have nine municipalities, Mark and being one of them. Um, have you had strong support from the city? The city has been fantastic. We, uh, before Bill 23, the government's, the government's bringing down, we got uh, both from the region and from the city, waivers of development charges. Uh, so that has been helpful in, in getting going. Also, the city has provided us with uh, planning services. So their staff have actually been champions for what we're trying to do. So the city has been outstanding and has the region. And working with Housing York, uh, they have been very helpful as well. This last build, we had a, a hiccup with our original contractor. We were doing a design build, and the design was okay, but the builder, the developer themselves, started playing games, and we wound up having, midway through the project, firing them. And so that terminating a, a contractor in the middle of a build um, could cause a few sleepless nights, I think. And I think that happened for the, the region and the city. They both a little panicking and not, not panicking, but very concerned. But in fact, they stuck with us and we found through the help of SHS, a contractor who was just willing to step in and just did a phenomenal job and actually was less in their estimated cost than our original builder. So, um, the city and the region throughout all the build, their support has been phenomenal. And it's, it's kind of a, a public-private partnership, but it works in this case, and it doesn't drive up the costs of anything like other private-public partnerships have. And all these buildings, too, we should mention, I mean, part of developing housing, the tricky part is getting the financial part right. How do you balance that? How do you do a reforma? where, you know, hey, we want to offer affordable housing, but at the same time, we've got to pay for uh, for this building, the, the debt that's carried on. You, you've you always made those financial models work. We were very fortunate, yeah. Um, it's getting harder to make some of those financial models work because of the changes in uh, the funding formula. So we're looking at doing things in the future and, and when it used to be 80% rent geared to income, that, that was a guaranteed revenue stream. That stream now is not as, as assured as it once was. So it, it's creating some other issues that we're gonna to have to look at. But yes, we've been very fortunate that we've been able to have a, somebody who will say, there's a guaranteed revenue stream we can then go to uh, CMHC and as part of their housing programs and initiatives, get a construction loan 
and that construction loan uh, then turns into a mortgage and the rents over time pay for and pay back that mortgage. So we've been very fortunate in the way it works and the model has worked successfully. Yeah, it's, it's a terrific model. Um, and like I said, I think very, very scalable. What are you working on next? What's next for Micah? Because I know you're never sitting still. I know you have new ideas. Tell us a little bit about that. We've got, uh, there's a possibility of a 150 unit build. And we're just waiting on some of the detailed negotiations between the municipality and the, the contractor that may be giving us uh, some land to build on. And if we get the land, then we will be applying and going through again all the uh, process of, of a build. And we're looking at bringing in partners to, to be in that. I'd like to make this new build really as an environmentally friendly, almost a carbon neutral building. And what we've done with two of our builds is uh, Cedarcrest just went through with the, the old cap and trade program. They went through a, a retrofit of the building and replaced all the windows in the building, put in LED lighting. And as you go through the hall, the lights are, are dim, but as you walk through, a motion detector senses you're there and brightens up the light so that you, you're safe to walk through the halls. Uh, they've actually put in some really fascinating sensors on the building that uh, if, if the sun's in the east rising, then the south side of our building uh, gets the sun, but and it's nice and warm. On the other side of the building in the shade, it's cold. So how do you balance the heating in the building? So they put all these sensors in that recognize the north side of the building's in the shade. And so therefore we'll bring the heat up on that side of the building and reduce the heat on the sunny side of the building. And so it just balances the building out neat, nicely. And so the building is becoming a smarter building. Uh, they also, they put in uh, all new toilets and so on. So the reduction in the use of, of water in the building has been phenomenal. So all these things are helping keep the cost down to keep the building affordable for those who, who need affordable housing. At Larry Todd Place, again, it was built beyond uh, lead standards. And, and so the insulation properties, the, the use of electricity is, is really low. One of my board members also happens to be on the board of Tony Wong Place. And he was saying for the public spaces in Tony Wong Place, all the hallways, all the uh, common rooms and so forth, since the electricity use in that building is less than his house. Uh, so that, that's good. But the neat thing with uh, Tony Wong Place is it's geothermal. And it's just getting the use of, of geothermal. And that's becoming, that will become more and more effective as gas prices are going up. What, 30% increase this year? So it, again, by doing the right thing environmentally, it keeps the, the price of the building yeah. down. 
So you're, I'm you're, looking you're, at yeah. Make it truly affordable. Yeah, and so I'm looking at uh, how being um, ecologically sensitive, being carbon neutral as best you can, actually does make the the cost of living there less over time. The upfront costs are high, but you know it's nice as that. So this new place, if we if we do get it, I'd like it to be heated geothermally. I'd like to have if you know you have to have parking. I would like to have uh, the Parthenon is a great place for solar collecting panels. So we'd have a carport with solar collectors all over it. So we could have, uh, you know, if you've got an EV, we can plug it in. Uh, so these are the things we're looking for. And how can we build the building so that it's a smart building? So that's where we're going. Well, you got smart people doing smart things. We need smarter buildings. I know with Tony Wong, I remember speaking to the builder of that and uh, he was so dedicated to making it green. It was his thing. Oh, and just yeah. through the, through the windows, geothermal, et cetera. And it's amazing. It makes it truly affordable. Plus it's the right thing to do. Uh, listeners, let me tell you, I've seen these buildings, Tony Wong, I think 2010, uh, 2009, 2010 was opened up. Gorgeous, gorgeous buildings. The newest one. Uh, very, very nice. Uh, so, so the beautiful buildings, there's dignified housing, it's affordable housing. This is done by a set of volunteers who just want to do the right thing, give back and be part of the solution. So we're thinking we can't do this. I don't know if we're going to be able to build 3 million homes or across. Look at this example of MICA. You know, hundreds of homes in Markham uh, working together, starting at zero, getting the funding. It can be done. You just need the right people, that passion, uh, and and you know to get your your political friends on board. Uh, Mike and the team have done exactly that. So hey, listen, Mike, if people wanted to reach out to you and talk more about Mike or see if they could scale it, perhaps in another part of our country or outside of Canada, where can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can contact me through uh, Mike in Markham. That's our website. It's all one word, www.micainmarkham.ca. And then they can contact me through that uh, that link. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for the work that you and Micah do. I know both through 360 Kids that I was involved with um, and, and through Blue Door, you know, we, we see the amazing work you're doing. We see all the community organizations, as you talked about, that have benefited from that. Um, you're always innovative, different on every project, I think you learn and take those learnings into your next project to make it even even better. Um, it's inspiring, and uh, we so appreciate what you're doing in the battle to end homelessness. Thank you very much. All right, I always look that, to you for great ideas too. So uh, <laughs> you know, you're not getting off the hook, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show, and I'm sure I will see you soon. For sure. Take care. All the best. Hey, Mike is, is so inspiring. I mean, this is, say once again, this is someone who retired and said, you know, I have a lot to give. I have time. Uh, I have passion. I want to do something that's going to help the community. He stepped up. This group of volunteers made up of many, many seniors, mostly just incredible. They care um, and they're, they're willing to put in the time and effort to make huge strides uh, in the battle to end homelessness. Very inspiring. Listen, if you want to reach out to Mike, and it's a great, great model that they've done that can't be duplicated. Why start from scratch? Uh, reach out to him at uh, Mike, so M-I-C-H at um, 
Jeez, uh, Micah.ca, yeah. That's, that's what we were talking about. Reach out to Mike. Uh, he'd be happy to chat with you. If uh, you want to reach out through the podcast, too, you can reach out to me at uh, michael.b at bluedoor.ca. Happy to make that link. Listen, every week we learn something new. We learn about great solutions, innovations, challenges, solutions. Um, it's an amazing, amazing time. I've learned a lot today. I hope you did too. And we'll see you next time on the way home. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.